How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Everyone, we're locked in after a little time off for episode 26 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked on Thunder is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can head on to iTunes and search Locked on Thunder to subscribe to the podcast. You can leave a review there as well. You can find the show in any other Locked on Podcast. So if you're a Pistons fan, go Locked on Pistons. If you're a Clippers fan, Locked on Clippers, and so on and so forth. That's on Audioboom.com too. So Audioboom, iTunes. I'm working on putting it on Stitcher. This is my first show since Friday morning. I took a little time off at the start of the week just to gather myself and take a little vacation. We've been doing this every weekday for shows before this. That's Monday through Friday, all the way back since the end of June. Uh, Now, I'm shifting towards just Tuesday and Thursday morning. So this is the first Thursday morning show. Next week, it's going to be... Tuesday, Thursday, and so on and so forth. That's for the next few weeks. It's going to go through August until about the middle of September. So just for kind of the NBA's dead period after that, I'm back on daily, Monday through Friday. Subscribe, though, and I'll be on your phone or wherever you listen to podcasts, on Audio Boom, iTunes, or wherever. I'll make sure to get on Stitcher, like I said. I'm going to have Dan Feldman on the show in a little bit. He's the host of Locked On Pistons, and he's from NBC Sports. And we're going to talk about non-team USA Olympics as we're ready for the Olympics to start this weekend. But first... Let's give a little shout-out to CBS Sports to start. I had Matt Moore, the NBA writer from from CBS Sports, one of their lead writers. You might know him as HP Basketball on Twitter. I had Matt on the podcast last week. It was a really good pod. We got really existential talking about not really sports, but things that have to do with sports. And you can go to listen to that in the archives on Audio Boom or on iTunes if you prefer. I'm going to give Matt a little bit dap now. Matt Matt gave d- some dap to the to the Lockdown Podcast Network this past week after he came on my podcast as well. So I'm going to pay him back and pay the CBS team. CBS, CBS may not have NBA rights, but they have a really good NBA writing team. Like, really good. So fun piece from them this week. A couple other Lockdown Podcasts have talked about it already. Ranking the best starting lineups in the NBA. So where they have the Thunder? Number 18. I was actually kind of surprised by that one. And just for context... Hornets were 20, Pacers were 19, Wizards 17, Rockets 16, Bulls 15, Knicks 14, Mavericks 13, some more in the top 12. You can head to cbssports.com to read more on that and find out the rest of the rankings. Thunder, 18. I just didn't predict that the Thunder would be that low. I kind of figured top half of the league, even without Kevin Durant, without Serge Ibaka, with the addition of Ersan Ilyasova and Victor Oladipo, that projected starting lineup was Westbrook, Oladipo, Robertson, Ilyasova, and Steven Adams at the five. And no, the shooting is not there with that lineup. But there's real defensive potential with the starters, and that's even with Ibaka and Durant gone. That's going to be an aggressive defense with Westbrook and Oladipo cutting off passing lanes up top, with Adams recovering from mistakes, with Robertson locking down on the perimeter. No, Ilyasova isn't really the defender, and he clearly he's not close to the defender that Serge Ibaka was, even if Ibaka did have a slight down year this past year. But I think that's a top-ten defense there. The issue is shooting. It's a lot of we've seen that can stay healthy. I don't know if they're going to shoot. 
But I think they're going to be able to score at an okay pace. I mean, they still have Russell Westbrook there. They still have Victor Oladipo there. I think Steven Adams is going to improve as an offensive skilled player with the ball. They can stay healthy, though. And I think we know what to expect from the players in that lineup. And that's kind of why I'm surprised that they fell all the way to 18 in, in CBS's rankings. Some of those lineups above, the inconsistency would kind of make me bring them down. So whether that's just inconsistency because of injury or because of performance or whatever, I'd have the Wizards below the Thunder. Bradley Beal's great, but he doesn't really stay on the court. We don't know what we're getting with Markeith Morris this year. Otto Porter has been on and off throughout his career. I don't see how the Bulls are necessarily going to match. They were they were ahead of the Thunder too. I don't. I, they, there's more talent in that lineup than there is in the Thunder lineup. But I don't think talent is necessarily what makes a lineup good. I think you need chemistry. I think you need complementary skills, and I don't think the Bulls really have that. And I think that's been written and covered at nauseum with that. Butler, Rondo, Wade trio that's kind of going to be running that offense. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work, and I think I'm in the majority on that one. And the the Knicks, too. Knicks have a great Sim League team. You ever play What If Sports? Knicks have a really good Sim League team. It, it, what If Sports is fun. It's really addictive. I used to do it from, like, eighth grade. I still do it, actually. It's it's nerdy, but it's fun. If it, It's no more nerdy than DraftKings is if you do DraftKings or, or you do anything like that. Basically, you pick players from previous seasons and using their stats, you try to build a team under a salary cap. Then the season sims out and you play against other users who built teams in the same league under the same rules as you. It's it's really addictive. It's very fun. Anyway, Knicks have a similar team. You grab Derrick Rose from 2011, you know, Noah's 2014, Mello's 2013, but they have injury histories. They're not the players they were in those years that I just named. It doesn't make me feel so comfortable that this organization has a history of just letting players kind of decide when they're hurt or not. They did that with Mar Stoudemire. They did it with Carmelo Anthony consistently. Uh, and that seemed to come from the top, too, not necessarily from Derek Fisher. So a coaching change, I don't know if that's necessarily going to change things. And CBS mentions all this stuff, and I guess I'm just weighing those, those detriments a little bit differently. And there's some nitpicking in there. Really, what's you know the big difference in arguing a, a few spots up versus a few spots down the lineup? But I'd say the Thunder, even without Durant and Ibaka, even with their flaws shooting the ball, holding a lineup just barely in the top. I'd say they hold a lineup just barely in the top of the league. And it's only because they have three above-average starters, like three comfortably above-average starters. Westbrook, Adams, Oladipo. Ilyasova can help. He's not, I don't think he's player was a couple years ago because his rebounding has tailed off the last few years. And part of that is him trailing away from the basket on the offensive end. But his his rebounding has fallen. And Robertson is 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 certainly a, 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 a can hurt you on offense, but he's a really good, really good defensive player, as we've seen many times. But they've got three comfortably above average offensive players, comfortably above average starters, I should say. Westbrook, Adams, Oladipo. And one of those guys is the top six player. First team All-NBA guy from this past year. So I'm throwing them in the top half of the league in terms of their starters. Hit me up on Twitter if you disagree, or if you think they're even better than I said, if you know, you maybe you think they're a top 10 starting starting lineup or whatever it is. Uh, make sure you can check out that piece on CBS.com. I thought it was a fun read. Or CBSSports.com. That was a fun read. And now let's get to talking some Olympic basketball. Joining me after the break, Dan Feldman of Locked On Pistons and NBC Sports. So joining me on Skype to talk some Olympics... Team USA, maybe non-Team USA, is Locked On Pistons host and NBC writing machine, Dan Feldman. Dan, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I, you you turn out, I think, more posts than any other human being in existence. 
<laughs> I, I got to be tied with Kurt Heelan, right? I and mean, we're we're just splitting it up. And Sean Hyken's doing a lot for us too. So I I don't know. I don't think I can be beating Kurt though. I I I there are things that happen though when I see your posts online. Like I see I see that you just like news happens, and then ten minutes later I see your breakdown of like the cap ramifications of it. And I'm meanwhile, like on like Larry Coons, like <laughs> FAQ, trying to look up stuff and still trying to figure out, okay, so what exactly does this mean? And I see you've already written like 400 words on it. Like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> You're being too nice because there are plenty of them where, where two hours later, I'm still on the FAQ with you. Okay. Well, I'm there four hours later in those cases. <laughs> um, so you're hosting Locked on Pistons now. Dan is, Dan is with NBC Sports and, and does pro basketball talk. I'm sure you know the site if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, but Dan is also now hosting Locked on Pistons. You want to tell listeners just about the podcast a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got two episodes up right now. The first one is uh, just my catch up on the off season because it started well after everything got through and just ranking every Pistons offseason move. On the second one, we get into CBS's rankings on starters and bench, whether Shaq could have signed with the Pistons in 1996, uh, breaking down some of the Pistons aspects of Chauncey Billups' uh, podcast with Woj. Uh, just a lot of different quick-hitting things in, the, in that second one. Both are up now. There you go. You can find those on, on Audioboom. You can find that on iTunes, same way you find Locked on Thunder. Let's get some Olympic stuff. We're going to steer clear, you know, we'll get to some Thunder-related stuff, but let's mostly just talk Olympics. Obviously, we're pretty sure Team USA has a, has a decent shot to win this thing and get a gold medal. Who do you think should be behind them, though? I, I like France. I haven't watched that many of the exhibition games and, and that kind of stuff. I, I think France is good. Um, who do you think should be behind Team USA, kind of in the running for, for the silver and the bronze? I'm with you. Uh, I think there are two teams in the next tier, France and Spain, and I would have France second. I just think they have a, a little bit more balance in their roster. They have some players closer to their prime than Spain, uh, where Spain just has some duplicative skills, some some good players, but a couple point guards who probably can't play that well with each other, a couple big men who probably can't play that well with each other, uh, but their talent level is very impressive. I mean, look, I would feel differently about Spain if Marcus Sol was playing. Same. If Marcus Sol's there, I mean, th- this is not the Spanish team that we knew in, like, 2008. I mean, granted, Marcus Sol is a better player now than he was in 2008. He's not playing, though. I mean, Pau is, Pau is not the player he was, you know, eight years ago. Serge Ibaka is not necessarily on that team anymore. Um, you know, Marcus Sol is out. He's hurt right now. So it's, it's still a talented team. They've got NBA players. They've got – let's just run down the roster because I don't think we should expect necessarily people to, to know who these, you know, who these guys are. So, so Spain, the standout players on Spain, you got Pau Gasol. Uh, Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez, Juan Carlos Navarro, Calderon, uh, Victor Claver, uh, Willie Hernan, Hernan Gomez. I guess it's Billy Herman Gomez, who <laughs> just, just signed with the Knicks. Uh, Abrinas from the Thunder, who they just signed, and Miritich and Rubio, and Sergio Yule, who I think is probably the best. In my opinion, he's my favorite international point guard who, who hasn't come to the NBA. I think that dude is a legit NBA caliber player and would be an impact player in the league and just has, to, has decided not to come off, come over for his own reasons. But that's a strong roster. Why you say the point guards can't can't play together? Uh, maybe, maybe that's too strong. Not can't play together, but it's just all right. If you've got Calderon and you've got Rubio, and, and you know, just all the way down the line, like it's just duplicative skills. Like they're good, and they could probably play together some, but it's just not ideal. Like when you're trying to nitpick between Spain and France, who I think are 
on the same tier. That's what, to me, pushes Spain down. So I haven't watched a lot of Spain. Is um, So if, if there are, like, crazy international basketball fans out there who are listening to me and thinking I sound like an idiot and asking these sorts of questions, well, you know what? You're going to have to deal with it. Uh, is is Calderon going to start over over Yule or, or Rodriguez in that lineup? Uh, that's a good question. I do not know. We, we've got you, we've got two people who like I keep an eye on it, but no, I haven't been studying every <laughs> single country in their lead up, especially the ones who are who are already qualified coming into the summer who didn't need to exactly play and, into it. And that Spanish team, we know how they play. They're always well coached. Um, they they always they're always guard centric, um, and and then you know they they've got you know they Pau dominated. In, in FIBA a couple of years ago. I mean, he was unbelievable. He had, what was it, 40 in that final clinching game. Um, Pau, Pau dominated in that tournament. Um, and 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 he's great in international play, but they're always around their guards. Their offense, at least, is always around their guards. I think there's, there should be some legitimate concerns defensively with that roster. Um, you know, I think they've got good defensive play from their guards, but I think if you're playing Meritich and Pau Gasol down low, I think you're going to have some issues defending the rim and keeping guys out of the paint. Even if, you know, Rubio's a good defensive player. I mean, he's incredible guarding the ball. But, you know, I think you're going to have some issues. You know, Calderon is going to play major minutes in a lineup out there with, with Gasol and, and, with, uh, and with some other guys who aren't necessarily great defenders. I think that could be an issue for Spain, and that could, that could kind of push him down to a bronze, too. And when all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about France, and France, I think, has some, some, some way better defensive potential. Yeah, I'm with you. And the wing is sort of their weak spot. Like they've got uh, their talents concentrated at point guard and up front. I think there's going to be a good role for Alex Abrinas, uh, now that we need to tie this to the Thunder a little bit. Uh, but I'm not sure where he's going to be defensively yet at, at this stage in his career. So you like France a little bit more. I like France a little bit more than Spain too. Why do you say France? I just think their their roster is more balanced, where maybe on talent, you could go back and forth who has more talent, Spain or France, and you can make a case either way, uh, but you can have Tony Parker running the point, you can have uh, Nando DiColo is one of the best players uh, not in in the NBA, and then you, on the wing, you have Nicholas Batum, uh, who's a very versatile player, Rudy Gobert cleaning up everybody's mistakes inside. Uh, Boris Diaw, who, who's an excellent playmaker as a big man. And then you can bring Joffrey Laverne off the bench and more size if you need it. I mean, just the variety of ways they can play, I just think is going to be very beneficial for them in this tournament where you can run into some very, very different styles. Yeah, you know, I, I think France probably has, if, you, if you're combining the, the French and Spanish teams, I, I think France has the two best players. I mean, I think Batum and Gobert are the two best players in that group. Um, I could see Gobert dominating this tournament. I could see him being phenomenal. I mean, look, with him, him with the rebounding rules and the goaltending rules and international play is really fun to watch. I mean, he's so long, he's so athletic. Um, and he, he, he can take, he's a one-man defense. I could see him really, really, really having, you know, I think basketball fans, big basketball fans obviously know how good he is. Um, and, and he kind of had his breakout year a couple years ago, but he was injured a little bit this year and, and kind of the jazz, you know, people thought of them as a breakout team, myself included. They only won 40 games because, you know, he got hurt and favors got hurt and, you know, Burks got hurt and Exum got hurt and, and they kind of fell out of relevance. And, and, and I don't think he, 
is necessarily recognized amongst casual fans as 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 good of a player as he actually is. I mean, he's as good of a defender as there is in the league as a big man. Um, I, I could see him. I could see people really starting to recognize. I mean, I don't know necessarily if those casual fans are watching the French games, but if he has a big game against Team USA, which I think is totally possible because he plays well against DeAndre Jordan too. Uh, if he if he has a big game against Team USA and he's in the midst of a big tournament, I could see him kind of starting to get the the recognition he really deserves as a player. I'm with you. I think he's absolutely fantastic, and I think you're right that casual NBA fans probably not people listening to this podcast. Like I think a majority of your listeners and and my listeners they get it. Like Rudy Gobert is excellent. What I am curious about is he's really reached this level in the NBA, and I think he's a, he's a great fit for the NBA style. And I, he's played well, and he started to come on internationally a little before the NBA, and that was sort of a precursor to his breakout year. Uh, but I'm just a little curious how he plays in, in this international style as a big man. He's, you know, he's mobile for his size, but for a player, he's not incredibly mobile. I'm just, I'm just a little curious to see how he adjusts to it. I think he'll be fine. Uh, but just a little something I'm looking forward to seeing. Well, you're talking, you're talking defensively right now. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, I think he's going to be okay. I do too. He's, but, he's but pretty good. He's, he's pretty good at it. His, his, his problem when he has to guard guys away from the basket is sometimes he forgets. <laughs> I think that's his biggest issue. Like sometimes he, when he's guarding guys away from the basket, because he's so good around the rim, and and maybe that's just part of the Jazz's schemes. Honestly, it might not even be on him. Sometimes it's so hard to tell from the outside that if, if this is like something the coach wants, and he's just kind of pounding it in your head so much that it's just something you end up doing, or if it's something that that is a natural tendency for him. You know, um, especially when it's a guy who's only been on one team, and for the most part, we've seen only get playing time with one coach in Quinn Snyder. But sometimes when he he goes up against you know a, a, a he has to guard a, a five who can who can stretch away from the rim or when they you know they cross match with him in favors and maybe he's guarding a four in that particular scenario which is rare but has happened uh, he'll 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 still sag into the lane just out of reflex you know defensively and he'll leave guys open it'll be interesting to see if that's a, a natural reflex for him or if it's just something that the Jazz are pounding into him and. He's just kind of getting because of the circumstances that he's in, as opposed to what his natural tendencies are. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I, I think he could really show off. I'm excited to see him. His, I mean, look, we've seen some of the DeAndre Jordan amazing putbacks and uh, with these with these rules, and we, and we saw like some awesome ones with Kenneth Fareed in 2014 FIBA. And obviously, you know, once the ball touches the rim in international rules, you're going up and getting it. Uh, Gobert Gobert is going to have some fun ones. Yeah, he's so long. Like, you can box him out a little bit and get him away from the basket a little bit. He's so long, you have to get him far from the basket. Yeah, and, and he's more skilled than he used to be, too. Mm-hmm. He's more skilled. Like, he, he used to not be able to set a pick. He used to not be able to body anybody up in a pick when he first came into the league. Um, you know, you, you couldn't really ever give him the ball. And I'm, I'm hardly arguing that he's a guy you want to, you know, run your offense through. Uh, but he's he's certainly improved on that in the last couple of years, and uh, France, France has shooting too, um, which I think will help, uh, you know, quell some of his offensive, um, I don't want to say struggles, but some of his offensive limitations. Um, you know, you can play, you know, Laverne can shoot from the outside. Dio can shoot from the outside. Like they have, they have bigs who you can play next to him who can, who can actually shoot. And, you know, Batum's a three point shooter and Parker's really good in the pick and roll. So, so there, there are guys out there who you can, you can use to space the floor around him and, 
and uh, you know, kind of kind of stifles what what he limits on the offensive end too. Yeah, absolutely, and it'll be fun, I think, to see him with Diaw because he hasn't really played with you know. I mean, Derek Favors is a very good player, but he's not a creative player with the ball. Another big man, and that could, we could get a sneak peek of maybe something the Jazz could open up. What do you think of Croatia? They're kind of my they're kind of my my team. That's really I think will be really fun to watch. I think they could be good. I think they could sneak in and get a surprise bronze. They're like my one sleeper surprise. I'm not necessarily picking it. I think Spain gets the bronze. But I feel like Croatia could, if Croatia snuck in and, and pulled off an upset and, and ended up getting a bronze medal, I, I don't think I'd be too shocked. I wouldn't either. Uh, I think they're a little too young right now. Uh, I like, you know, I like Dario Saric. I like uh, Bojan Bogdanovic uh, and uh, Mario Hazonia. Like, but I just don't think those guys are quite ready to compete. But a lot of times it comes quicker than we're expecting. And so, like, I like them a lot more for 2020 than I do for 2016. But, yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they're going to medal either. And That's- I wouldn't call them my sleeper, but I think they're they're intriguing. It's an athletic team. Yeah, they've got some real athletes on that team. Like I could, I could just see them tiring out and and a little bit older Spanish team. I could see them them tiring out a team and 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 kind of pulling off an upset. Not predict. I'm I'm totally hedging because I'm not predicting it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. Who? So so you said it's not your who's your sleeper then? Well, I see. To me, I think it's wide open after USA, France, and Spain. I think there's a big drop, and I think it's wide open. Uh, so. Maybe, maybe like this isn't enough of a sleeper, but honestly, I sort of think whoever you think is going to be fourth, like that's your sleeper team. Uh, and I'm going to take Lithuania. Not the most talented, but they just, they play very well together. It seems like they always overachieve. You know, I, I think they're going to be fourth. And Lithuania, Lithuania, obviously another player with another Thunder player. That's DeMontis Sabonis' team. There are two Thunder fans, if you're going to watch two teams and you want to try to bring in some sort of personal rooting interest into this, watch Lithuania, watch Spain. You got Alex Abrinas on Spain. You can watch him, incoming Thunder rookie, 32nd pick in the 2013 draft. You can get your DeMontis Sabonis fix, you know, 11th pick in this past year's draft, coming to the Thunder in the, uh, in the Serge Ibaka trade. You can get your fix on him in, in watching Lithuania. Lithuania is always well-coached, too. And that's a, that's a basketball country. Like, they... They have they actually have great fans at every game. Their environments are always awesome. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if the Lithuania fans are making it all the way to Brazil, but they they like when they play in when they play in international tournaments against other against like you know other teams in Europe and that kind of stuff. They're 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 always great. I mean that's a that's a people don't realize how big of a basketball how big of a basketball country that is. Oh yeah, I mean they love it. Yeah. They absolutely love it. It's, it's 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 great. It's really fun, and they've got they've got they've got legit NBA players too. I mean, they've got the kid who just came over to the Knicks, uh, Valanciunas, you know, Sabonis. Um, I might be forgetting about one or two other guys too. Um, they've got they've got a really they've got a really solid team. Any players to look out for that you think could be someone who could be you know breakout star, whether in the NBA or or maybe not yet in the NBA, or someone who's decided never to come into the NBA. Uh, one guy I'm I'm interested in seeing is Patricio Garino, who signed with the with the Spurs, another Argentinian with Manu Ginobili, and um, you know, mostly because it's the Spurs, and we always give them the benefit of the doubt that 
hey, if they sign somebody, that player must be great. And that's, it's almost always an overreaction, but we still have that sense a little bit, especially international guys, because they've scouted it so well and they've kept an eye on Manu. So they've seen him and, you know, is he something? I'm, I'm curious about him. Yeah, my guy is Sergio Yule. I know I mentioned him yeah. a little bit earlier. We've seen him play. He's not a mystery. I mean, we've, we've seen him play an international play before, and we've seen him, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in Europe. The Rockets tried to bring him over for, I think it was the mid-level exception, right, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they couldn't do it. He decided to stay in playing. I think he's really good. Like, I, think he is, I think he is an NBA caliber point guard, and he could be, like, a, a legitimately good NBA player. Um, he's 28 years old. He's been playing in Spain for what, you know, 10 years or something. Uh, he's decided to just kind of stay over there. He's Spanish. So it would make sense. He'd want to stay home and he makes a lot of money. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much it would take him to come over to the NBA, but I just always enjoy watching him play. He plays a beautiful brand of basketball. He's immensely skilled. He's got creative moves around the rim. Uh, he plays super hard. I just, I always enjoy watching him play. He's, he's always kind of been my token favorite. Uh, non NBA player, um, and 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 I'm 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 excited to watch him play again. I always enjoy it, and and I think when other people watch him play, they're like, oh man, who's that guy? Because I've watched I've watched him with friends before, and they're like, who's that guy? He's really good. That's that's my guy, Sergio Yule. Uh, so so he's he's kind of my guy. Anybody else you got? I, I have a team that I'm particularly interested in, okay. and and that's Australia because I think they have a lot of talent. Uh, Patty Mills, Andrew Bogut, Joe Ingles, Della Vadova, uh, Pistons hook here, Aaron Baines, uh, who will probably back up Bogut and it just seems to be very comfortable in that backup role. But they have so much talent, yet they, they really haven't been tested because the way FIBA breaks it down, they're in Oceania where all you have to do is beat New Zealand and you're in. And so I, you know, I just don't know what they're going to be. Talent wise, I like them a lot. They could, they could be the fourth best team. Uh, but they just haven't played together in a meaningful way against meaningful competition. So it's, it's hard to get a read on them. Some good passers on that team. Yes. I could see that team moving the ball well. That that wouldn't surprise me if they clicked. Like, they've got, like, Bogut's a really good passer. Joe Ingles is a really good passer. Mm-hmm. Joe Ingles doesn't get credit for being a really good passer. Joe Ingles is a really good passer. I'm just plugging all of the jazz guys who no one's heard of. <laughs> that's that's all I'm doing. Joe Ingles is good. Joe Ingles is a really good passer within the offense. Um, but yeah, I could see that team. It's funny. You're right. There there are a lot of teams that are just kind of jumbled around for that for that number four seed, and 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 you could kind of see it going a bunch of different ways. I don't know why I say number four seed. I guess I don't know what <laughs> else to call it. It's there's there's no medals. So. Uh, yeah, you kind of see it going a bunch of different ways. Who's who's your so who's your pick that you you really think is is going to fall? So you said you think it's going to be U.S., France, Spain. Who do you think it's actually going to be at number four? I think it's going to be Lithuania. Uh, I don't feel confident in that. I definitely take the field over anybody. Uh, but if I'm picking one team, I'm going to go with Lithuania. Yeah, I'm going Croatia. But yeah, I mean, look, could be Lithuania. It could be it could be Australia. Sure, why not? I mean. It's sad to see that Argentina has really fallen off. That was always such a such a good team, but they they, they that country really hasn't produced talent um, in the last ten years, almost like we expected them to. It, it, they kind of produced a ton of talent in the early two thousands, and then in early to mid two thousands, I should really say, and then 
and then it's kind of all aged, and they haven't really brought up a next generation of guys to follow Escola and Manu and, and those guys. Uh, but they could finish fourth. Like I, as far aged as they are, like I don't think it's too much where where they're out of the running. Uh, host Brazil could finish fourth, I think. A lot of people, a lot of teams. Uh, let's talk Abrinas. Do you have any opinions on Abrinas? Uh, not really. Other than I, you know, I think it's going to take him a, a little bit of time to to get accustomed to the NBA, and I wouldn't expect from him much from him early in the season. But he's a nice piece to have. Any opinions on Sabonis? I think the fact that he plays very hard is going to help him. Uh, but I'm just, I have concerns about his size and his, you know, his lack of shooting range. And, you know, he's not a modern big man. He's not a modern power forward who can space the floor traditionally. And he's also not going to be a rim protector. It's tough to make those guys work. Uh, but if anybody can do it, it's somebody like him who plays very hard and has skills in the post. Right. Had to get in my token token thunder questions before before <laughs> we got out of here. Anything to plug before you go? Well well before before we get to that, I just want to yes. sneak in one other team just so we can fulfill our Pistons quota here and we can name everybody between the teams. Uh Nigeria's gonna have uh, Michael uh, Binaje, uh Pistons rookie from Syracuse. Don't think that team's gonna be very good. Uh but with him there, you know, I think because that team's not gonna be good it might be a good chance to to see him and evaluate him some more. I like Michael Benajek. I like him other than the fact that he's 24 years old and players drafted in the second round who are that old almost never or maybe even never work. He's DeAndre Kane. Remember him? The, the Iowa State guy? I don't. DeAndre, DeAndre Kane. I think I'm saying his name right. Uh, yeah, yeah, Iowa State. DeAndre Kane. He was uh, basically the same thing. He was a, he was a transfer... He had an incredible year as a senior at Iowa State. He was 24, 25 when he entered the draft. He went like mid-second round. Similar type of player. Tall, tall ball-handling wing who basically played a point guard role in college. Uh, or should I say an offensive point guard role in college. Totally ball dominant. Really good, though. Like, really good passer. Awesome college player, just like Benajé. Um, at, you know, a, a, playing for a legitimate coach. He played for Horberg. Uh and, you know, he was 24, 25 years old, and he fell and didn't have an NBA career. Um, I like Benege, though. I don't know what his NBA career is going to be. He was a really good college player, and I think he's I think he's bright. I always have concerns about Syracuse guys defensively. Yep. That's that's always a concern. It, it takes time to come out of zone. I know there are people on Twitter who disagree with me when I say this, but I have had conversations. I was a manager at Syracuse. Like, I was a basketball manager at Syracuse. I know Syracuse basketball players, and I've had conversations with Syracuse basketball players. They all go pro after, and some of them say that they had no problems. It's usually the ones who are just smart guys. Uh, like, Arinzi Onowaku says he has no problem. Arinzi Onowaku is an incredibly bright human being. So it doesn't surprise me that Arinzi says he has no problems. Arinzi is also really competitive and probably wouldn't say that he had problems even <laughs> if he did. Uh you talk to some other guys, and they're like, yeah, it was a real struggle at first. Like, I, I just – it was really hard for me to break the zone habits, and some of them never do break the zone habits. And and even if they do break the zone habits, they didn't learn anything. Or they learned some things because there's some man-to-man concepts inside that zone. But they didn't necessarily learn as much as they would at some other schools that would prepare them for the league. So I, I always have some concerns, especially a guy – it's one thing for a freshman who comes out and, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily develop a ton of habits because he's in that zone for – 
you know, less than a year or maybe a year and maybe he doesn't commit to it as much or whatever it is. And then he comes out and he doesn't necessarily develop those habits because of those, those scenarios. But, you know, a guy like Benjay who was there for a few years and uh, it's just, I'm not saying you can't do it. There are guys in the league who are decent defensive players who have overcome it uh, from Syracuse. Although there are not a lot of great Syracuse alums in the league right now, other than Mello. I mean, but Dion Waiters and Michael Carter Williams are the two best players, non other than Mello in the league right now, who are Syracuse products. But uh, I just I always have my concerns with that, and I know that's a concern that teams have as well when they look at Syracuse guys too. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just the concern about them learning it because that might be more projectable. It's that you don't know whether they can do it right now or where they are right now because it's just so different, and it, it just makes it harder to evaluate them and. You know, in time, maybe some guys can get there and you can sort of tell maybe who will, maybe who, who, at least who has that potential. Uh, but where the starting point is, who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, anything to plug before we go? Uh, just like we talked about before, you can listen to Lockdown Pistons, same place, uh, you can get Lockdown Thunder, iTunes and Audio Boom and check out the first couple episodes there as, as fresh as, as they can be still. Nothing's really changed since. All right, listen to Dan's podcast. You can also check out all of his stuff on NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. Uh, Twitter, what's, what's your Twitter handle again? Dan Feldman NBA. All right, and follow him if you want If you want great cap analysis, if you want smart basketball analysis, if you want to just learn everything there is to know about the NBA <laughs> because Dan is writing about all of it in like a single hour when it takes me a year to do that amount of work. Uh, before we head out, just a reminder, I'm on every... Tuesday and Thursday from this point forward. That'll be true through the middle of September when I'll return to every weekday like I was doing before. That's Monday through Friday. If you're subscribed to the show, you'll be all good on getting those. Remember, you can head on to iTunes and subscribe to Locked on Thunder there. You can also find me on Audio Boom. If you have questions or comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. You can log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs and check out Thunder Road. That's my blog to follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder. That's going to do it for today. I'm back with you on Tuesday for more Thunder and NBA talk. Until next time, though, Locked on Thunder is locking up.